0: The Music Business Worldwide podcast is supported by Volley Music, a leading financial management platform for the music industry. Volley enables you to track expenses, approve invoices, and make payments 24-7, 365 days a year. For your free trial, head to volymusic.com. That's V-O-L-Y music dot
1: com. Welcome to the Music Business Worldwide podcast supported by Volley Music. My name is Tim Ingham, the founder of Music Business Worldwide, and today I'm speaking to pretty much the most topical guest I could hope for, with a career spanning both artificial intelligence in music, which obviously many people are talking about, and TikTok, which many people are always talking about. Ed Newton-Rex is, amongst other things, the founder and creator of Deck, a music-making platform powered by generative AI that quietly launched in 2011. Over the following eight years, JukeDeck was continually improved and finessed while raising $2.5 million in funding. And eventually, in 2019, it was acquired by ByteDance, parent of TikTok. Consequently, Newton Rex became the product director for TikTok's in-house AI lab, with Duke Tech essentially becoming the tech on which TikTok has built out its own music and audio making AI operation. Ed Newton Rex left TikTok in 2021, joining then startup Voicy as chief product officer. Voicy was eventually sold to Snap Inc., the company behind Snapchat, which then unfortunately closed it down, despite the fact it was a really impressive bit of software. Since 2022, Ed Newton-Rex has been working at another AI company, Stability AI, where he is currently VP of Audio. Stability AI is best known for Stable Diffusion, a text-to-image graphics generator that will attempt to digitally paint whatever image you're after if you give it a text prompt. It's a fascinating time to speak to Ed, not only because of the rising chatter around music-making AI platforms and the role they'll have in the future of the business, But also because of his perspective on TikTok, who some in the music biz have been worrying will use its own AI generated audio to eventually wipe out its reliance on human created music. And speaking of human created music, I should point out before I get into my discussion with Ed that as well as being an award winning AI whiz, he's also very much a human composer of choral music with his work published by Boozy and Hawks. Ed Newton-Rex, welcome to the Music Business Worldwide podcast. In 2023, everyone is suddenly talking about generative AI and particularly chat GPT and Bing AI and its potential impact in all businesses, but also in music. Is that great news for you? Or as somebody who, I know you were building Duke Deck since I think 2010, I read. So over a decade in now as a veteran in this world, is that great news for you? Or are you a little bit Hi guys i've actually been here a while <laughs> uh,
0: yeah I mean I've definitely been here a while. Uh, it does feel like it's been a long time coming i don't i'm not sure I know of anyone who's been building AI music products for longer than me i'm sure they're out there, uh, but it knows it's, it's been a while, but I am really pleased i don't know I think I'm really pleased that the things that I and others have been talking about for a while are coming to pass. you know i mean I've always believed and I've said many times that I think that generative AI will be a force for good, and so I was always going to be happy. When it did finally hit the mainstream, you know, definitely back in 2010, people thought it was pretty crazy to be working on generative AI, or as I was calling it then, creative AI. I, I'm frustrated. I chose the wrong phrase. Uh, yeah, which is a shame. I could have really bagged some good domains there. But no, yeah, the usual reaction was that will never be possible, basically. And it did become more and more possible over that time that we were building Duke Deck and And since then, so it's, it's really good to, to see that, that it's finally kind of taking shape and especially in, you know, in the minds of so many people, it's really exciting.
1: Well, I will come back to the fact that you thought it would be a force for good. That is obviously a a wide and open debate right now on both sides. But before we go back in time to Juke deck and what happened to that business and your time with TikTok, let's talk about what's happening right now today. So you moved to stability AI, I believe last year. And your current project is, and I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, so please correct me uh, when you answer, but it's Harmony, or spelt Harmon AI. And I've been trying to get my head around that. Am I right in thinking that the idea offers an interesting counterpoint to the discussion that AI-generated music or sound always has to be derivative, i.e. it always has to be based on something that has come before?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so first off, it's the pronunciation, everyone gets wrong. It's Harmony. I think we call it Harmony. I mean, actually, I think people internally call it some different things. Uh, yeah, I joined Stability last year. Harmony is our music, really. It's a research lab and a community based around AI music. And it is part of Stability AI. And Stability was the, the company behind the image generator of Stable Diffusion that got very big last year. So uh, Harmoni. Our main release has been Dance Diffusion, which is a tool that lets people generate audio from scratch. So you can kind of come on, give it a go. You can play around with things like style transfer, with regenerating things that you provide, with interpolation between two different samples. Yes, yeah, so you can do all these kinds of things with it. It's still at the experimental phase, I'd say. What I think is, what's fascinating for me is that it's generating raw audio. So like back at Duke Deck, we used neural network, you know, this was kind of the old fashioned way of doing things. We use neural networks to generate MIDI, to generate basically musical scores. And then we would kind of automate the production process. But that wasn't actually using machine learning. The state the tech has got to now is, I think, on a whole different level. It's generating raw audio from scratch, which actually I sort of, I mean, is, is really powerful for a number of reasons. In a way, I sort of miss the the old days when you would spend your time thinking about music theory to try to kind of frame these algorithms, I, I always love doing that. And there's less of that these days. And it's more compute and models and that sort of thing. So things have changed a bit. But yes, yeah, so we're using diffusion, this, this kind of new technique in machine learning, which is what is behind uh, the image generation to take stability as well. And it's a really interesting technique. It, it works very well. And then there's this community around it. So we've built what's become the largest AI music community on Discord. I think we've got 22,000 members or so at the last count. So there's a lot of people really interested in this field. And we do various things, right? We've just launched a producer challenge in that Discord server where where you can come on and use AI-generated music in a song. And I can talk more about kind of collaboration, but for me, that's where, where the excitement really sits around this tech. So we're doing a whole bunch of different things. Basically, it's a research lab and a community, and the, those two things are powering each other.
1: I mentioned before that we would come back to the force for good comment. And the two sides, the sort of excitement and the fear around generative AI and what it might mean for music long term. And when I say fear, by the way, I mean from certain parties, not necessarily always music makers. So let's go with the positives first. Okay. And before I do that, I should make clear that, Ed, I think I'm right in saying that you are a published composer yourself. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I write music whenever I can. I write choral music, I write for choirs. Just had a piece published, actually. There's nothing better, really, than than hearing people perform a piece you've written, except, of course, realizing all the all the places you'd now make it better. But no, I love I love doing it,
1: and that is to be clear, human created. For want of a better phrase,
0: well, it, it is. I've actually just written a piece that uses a generative text. So I used GPT three before Chat was around to generate a text, and then I set it to music in the traditional way. I think I wrote a kind of 15 minute choral piece, which is being performed this summer as part of the Live from London festival. So I'm super excited about that. But no, generally it is all my music is human composed. Yes. And I'm the human.
1: Uh, Yeah. And so that obviously gives you a perspective that's not just from the technological side of things. With that in mind, what in your mind is the greatest thing that generative AI could bring to the music industry or indeed music fans, but particularly to the music industry? And I mean, at any point in the future, what's the greatest thing that it could bring us? Wow, well, at any point, yeah, I mean,
0: I think there are always going to be a few. I mean, one that has always struck me as very powerful is this idea of democratizing creativity. You know, even back at Duke Deck, we had people reaching out to say how thrilled they were that they could finally make music. And what they were doing was they were generating backing tracks using our tech and then they were writing a melody over the top and they were singing and recording themselves and they were publishing this music and they were they were thrilled that they could do this i think you have this opportunity to find like great singers great artists who wouldn't otherwise have access to producers and sort of make that kind of music so i think democratization is a big one i mean personalization is a big one i mean i'm very i've always been excited about this idea of giving people personalized music i remember i was on a I started Duke Deck in right, 2010. So about four years later, I've been working head down on, on the algorithm for years. Really, there, there were still no competitors around. like No one was talking about generative music. It was not a great time. you know. I was thinking, God, I've been doing this four years and it's really hard. And I was sitting on a plane and I watched the film Her with Joaquin Phoenix, like with the AI assistant where he sort of falls in love with this AI. And there's a bit in it where The AI writes him a piece of music, and it's actually by Arcade Fire in real life, but it's a beautiful piano piece. And I remember seeing it and thinking, yeah, this is, and it really reinvigorated me because I thought, yes, this is like this is where we can go. Like this idea of personalized music, I think for listeners, is just something that's just totally different to anything we're used to. And I think is going to be incredibly powerful. So that hugely excites me. I mean, for the industry, you know, I mean, maybe the main benefit for the industry is. I mean, I think maybe kind of increasing value for rights holders in a way, which may sound counterintuitive with AI, but I think that when you have AI, the music that you write or that you own can become so much more valuable, because it's not just one static thing, because it can be modified, right, using AI at the point of consumption or at some other point. So maybe this track you've written or that you've got in your library is lengthened to fit a different TV ad. Maybe. The instrumentation is changed to get the right mood in a video. Maybe you change the entire style and so it fits something totally new. I think, like, what starts out as one piece of music that's like set in stone can become this kind of living thing that can be adapted endlessly. And I think that that's very, very exciting when this is possible. I think it's going to be pretty soon. I think it's going to unlock huge value for rights holders. I think it's going to be really interesting for the industry.
1: A very interesting point. I mean, we're already seeing a rudimentary version of that with this trend for speeding up tracks Yeah, on TikTok, the track from the Wednesday series on Netflix, the Lady Gaga track that's been sped up and has become a TikTok hit, but it's unavailable on, on Spotify, uh, the, t- the sped up version that is. And so you're then getting these kind of opportunistic DJs from various parts of Europe that are doing their own versions with homespun vocalists. It's very, very interesting. But yes, this modification this from the user side, the ability to to modify and morph the songs, the recordings into something else is, is really interesting. And obviously, to the point that you made, from the rights holder side, the ability to commercialize in different ways is obviously another opportunity. However, those in the music industry, you nodded to it before, who are kind of frightened about what... Music making generative AI could mean long term. We hear lots of concerns about, you know, millions of tracks being born every minute, being one, and what that might mean for, for example, major record company market share and a streaming service. There are also legitimate concerns, I would say, about streaming services developing their own music, and that meaning that they need to rely on the music of traditional rights holders to the degree that they do today. There's a Other argument from outside the industry without vested interest that this is just the natural evolution of an industry and technology's impact on it. Do you think that generative AI in this sense or in other senses is a legitimate threat to elements of today's business, especially when you consider the creation and monetization of what's recently been called functional music. So uh, Sir Lucian Grange used that phrase, but really he means music for running or music for sleeping or music for relaxation. It's always the music for an application, music as an application. Do you think that that may be an area where, let's say, incumbent rights holders may be worried?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the first sign I got of this in my career was at a dinner party in in the early 2010s i've been doing Duke deck for a couple of years i've been super secretive about it i was at a dinner party with a friend and i was sat next to his mom and i told her what i was doing and she sort of nodded politely and listened and then you know just at the end of the conversation sort of said i've got to be honest i, I hope you fail in this endeavor and i was it's like, Oh, wow, like, why? And, and she said, you know, because, because I like to think there's something in music that is innately human. And look, that's a view that I've heard from definitely like, that's a take I've heard from some people in the music industry. But I also know a whole bunch of people in the music industry who take a very different view. And these are the people I think who realize the opportunity that generative AI can bring the music business again, I mean, you talk about functional music. And I think rights holders are in a, are in a really good position, right? Like if if what you want is is reactive music that reacts to your run rights holders who own the rights to the songs that people love to listen to i think are, are in a perfectly good position ai isn't just isn't just generative it's also adaptive right i don't think anyone who works i've never met anyone who works in this field who wants ai music to be a threat to the music industry almost without exception the people working in this field like me are musicians and not only are we musicians but our friends are musicians right like where i'm so sure, I, I mean, I composed a piece recently, as I said, using GPT-3 to write the poem. That's something exciting. I'm excited about it. Does that mean that I'm only going to set AI tech from here on out, putting kind of human poets out of a job? Absolutely not, right? Like, I tried this as a one-off, as an experiment, because that's how that's how composers and creatives like to work. I think we try things. We don't like to do the same thing twice. I think that AI will be at its most powerful when it's a tool that will be used by those musicians in countless different ways and frankly ways that even someone like me working in the industry today like can't yet predict and i think that's going to create opportunities you know like and i think the music companies and the rights holders who embrace this and, and you know people are embracing it right like i think they're gonna be positioned very well to actually make the most of it i suspect we'll be looking back in 10 years and thinking this was actually a very good thing for the music
1: business You know, I'll give you my perspective or an anecdotal tale from the weekend. So I won't name the artist because it would be embarrassing for me and cruel for them. But there's an artist who came on my son's streaming playlist in the car over the weekend. And this artist was not initially an artist, they were a TikTok star, you know, an influencer, you know, top 10, top 20 in the world. And I was gobsmacked when this piece of music came on. At how much of a Billie Eilish ripoff I was listening to And I mean Shocked to the fact that it was like This feels unfair Because she invented this sound Influenced by many other people of course But this is her original sound And you've just ripped it off In the most sort of callous Venal manner Or the people around You're i not blaming the artists here of course But the industry itself Has ripped it off and replicated it In order to bring more interest And more trendy credibility To this individual by proxy And then I started to think, well, maybe if AI is going to start replicating originality better than the industry when it's at its perhaps worst elements of malpractice, might not be a terrible thing for the technology to supersede those kind of practices and and those kind of practices become vulnerable. But my hope is that, you know, I'm using Billie Eilish as an example here, but there's You know, tens of thousands of others, I'm sure that the original, the unpredictable, the narrative driven artist cannot be challenged by AI. But then my mind goes in this other direction, which is we talked before about how AI can create this completely optimized music for physical activity and there's sort of beat stretching and adaptive music, as you've talked about, if if you're running or a certain level of BPM and then it will slow with you or just relaxing, meditating music for relaxing, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen music for study and concentration. We've seen a million times over and how the sophistication of that AI created music can only improve. But my question for you as somebody who has seen the increase in sophistication in generative AI music is do you think it will be ever ever be able to elicit a human emotional response? And I'm picking this song uh kind of out of the air. There, there are many others, but you know, if I listen to nothing compares to you, the, the lyrics from Prince and the vocal delivery by Sinead O'Connor, there is something undeniably sad and compelling and human about that delivery, and it elicits a very particular emotional response. And, and I'm just wondering if you think that AI, I guess I'm asking is, could it learn that? Could it learn to kind of game my emotional matrix in a way? Do you think that that is something that's uniquely human or something that can be replicated?
0: Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. I mean, I don't know. I did a couple of talks back in you know the last wave of AI, like 2016, 2017, where I did a sort of Turing test. Sort of where I played our music and a real track and I asked the audience to guess which of them was composed by AI and generally kind of it was like there was about 50-50, people didn't really know did we pass the Turing test? Like absolutely not, you know for that you it was gamed, I gamed it I chose a particularly good track like for that you'd need to be kind of interacting with the AI you'd need to, to pass the Turing test and you'd have to say like hey like I like this but make the tune a bit sadder and take out the piano and all of this stuff that, that can't be done yet. I don't know, I think I've come to think maybe and realize that we shouldn't be thinking about AI music in terms of reaching kind of parity with human music in its effects. Like, I just don't kind of think that's the aim for most people in the field. The aim is to bring value, I think, and to make things possible that aren't possible with AI. Having said that, I have had emotional responses to AI composed music. Like, I have had that. Now, I think the reason, like, there are many reasons you have emotional responses. Some of them are to do with memory, right? Like, I still can hear... And this is obviously very specific, but I can hear some of the first tracks that Juke Deck wrote back in 2010 and be very moved by those. Now that's for a very specific reason. Like, frankly, the music is terrible, but like it still moves me, right? So many reasons that we are moved by these things uh, that are often to do with kind of associations we have with the music that are maybe nothing to do with the actual music itself. But I I think it's certainly possible that AI music can elicit emotional responses. Now, will they be the same as human composed music? Like, very possibly not. So I I think we shouldn't be kind of, I don't think people are aiming for par- at least the people I know in the field aren't aiming for that kind of parity. I think this is it's a fundamentally different thing and it's going to be used for a bunch of different things and that's okay.
1: I have a conversational habit that has been forced by my professional practice and it drives friends and my wife nuts, which is to remember phrasings and repeat them back to. And repeat them back to the, the individual that I'm engaged in a conversation with. The one that you just used there was things that can't be done, and by generative AI, yet, yet was the word that I found to be particularly operative. Let's come a little bit more up to date and let's talk about Duke Deck, because I've been looking at some of the examples of pieces of music that Juke Deck created right up until the sale to TikTok, I think in 2019, if I've got the dates right. And it gets increasingly sophisticated, increasingly impressive. By the time you joined TikTok in 2019, and I guess the time you spent there, how good, in your view, was the music that Jupe Deck was producing? Especially when you know you compare and you look back at the increase in sophistication over that time frame.
0: Yeah, it's a question I was always asking myself at the time as well. I came to kind of think of like a ladder of musical quality. When I was at like when we were doing Duke Deck, which kind of affects the use cases for, for for AI music. You know, at the start, the system that I I built like an algorithmic system to start a rule based generative music system, which is a very old fashioned way of doing things, but it was just the way we got going. The system was basically creating what amounted to homophonic hymn tunes. This was not producing anything. I mean, it was it was complex to put together, but didn't pass muster really. I you know I, I got the output of that into some really basic games, but not many people were using it, and then we increase the complexity, we introduce neural networks, YouTubers started using it, but still like right at the start, it was only amateur YouTubers. And frankly, that they turned the music down super low, right? Like, you know, they weren't necessarily very excited by this music, but then they would start using the music at a normal volume. And then then pro YouTubers started using it. And then we had it featured in ads by some decent brands. And by the time we joined TikTok, I think we'd had like one and a half million or so tracks be created. And You keep kind of climbing that ladder. We actually had our music performed in a a pretty big concert in Seoul in Korea by some pretty good bands just really, really near to the end. And so, you know, I mean, it changes. The question is how you climb that quality ladder, I think. And like one of the things that was always the thing that was hardest for us really was melody generation. Melody generation is tough, but there are ways around it. And actually, this is kind of the stuff I miss the most from those days. It was such fun. I remember maybe on an it was like an easter holiday in 2016 i think and i was on holiday with my family in ireland and we were at a church service on, on easter sunday and in, during the sermon i was trying to solve it. i was trying to think of like how do you solve this problem of we were particularly looking at musical structure at the time like we were getting these quite nice melodies but they were just unstructured there were no, there weren't enough patterns and i started thinking through like my favorite music that I thought was really well structured, I started thinking about, I love classical music, like the beginning of Bach's St Matthew Passion, which is this beautiful melody, incre- like perfectly structured in the way that only Bach knows how. And I was trying to think, how would you generate this if you were building a system to generate this? And and sort of came up in the church with this kind of idea of of merging these two neural networks together so that one network would kind of generate the melodic shape, and then a second network would kind of ignore that but but sort of generate some suggestions for patterns and repeats and things and then we'd kind of combine these t- together and you know so got back to work after easter and, and, and we implemented this we wrote a paper on it and, it and it worked pretty well i mean it's still nothing like what is possible today but took our tech forward and so as with any musical i mean any kind of music learning or any any music composition it, it's sort of it's very hard to quantify how good this stuff is what you know as a musician and frankly as a listener is that it's getting better Right, and so we climbed that quality ladder. We made these kind of kinds of innovations to to climb that ladder. Where did we get? We got to the point where this was very very usable in social media videos. YouTube creators were among the biggest users of Juke Deck, and it was used in some in some pretty good stuff. But compared to today, it was doing nothing. I mean, it was it, so much has changed. I mean, it's funny. There are definitely companies around us, like still music startups, around AI music startups, who are taking the same approach. Really as far as i can tell very similar approaches to what we used at juke deck which i think isn't and so the sound that is output by those kinds of companies hasn't yet improved that much but then there's this whole new field of how to do this that is just achieving these crazy good results and so things have come on things have come on a lot in the three years since we joined tiktok absolutely
1: I'm stunned by the 1.5 million tracks number. I'm sure lots of people will, but of course this is possible. But to hear that that took place is stunning. I also love the fact that you're tackling these challenging questions during a church sermon, literally looking for divine intervention in in how to improve what Duke Deck can create. When I think about the biggest impact, when you talk about music for YouTubers and music for social media and music for brands, I'm not going to name the companies, right? But there are companies with billion dollar valuations who effectively create production music for creators on social media platforms, on YouTube, on TikTok, podcasters, brands. And I just don't see a way that Juke Deck, even as sophisticated as it was in 2019, let alone whatever that technology has become now. And as you pointed out, others that have built companies in its wake, that isn't a huge market opportunity for those working in that field.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it depends what kind of sort of social media this is being used for and what the connection is. I mean, I think while that's definitely the case in terms of how people are making music, having seen this at various companies, like there is popular music. is still like actual popular music is still a huge part of these platforms, thankfully. And I can't see that changing. I mean, I can't, people are always going to want that, right? Like it's not, I guess what you realize when you watch videos on these social platforms is that it's not always about the best music, right? It, it's about a listener's connection with the music. It's about what the lyrics. Are. I mean, to say something very obvious. Currently, none of these music generation systems are coming up with with lyrics, right? Like, so there, there are huge things missing still, which is fine. There are lots of other use cases for these tech. This, I think, is it's not one in in the very near term. Again, I mean, you cannot predict what's going to happen in AI, and frankly, if you look at the world of images, things are moving so fast and changing so quickly. But it's a fool's game to predict what even the state of the tech will be like in a year. I mean, I think what I'm sort of most certain of is that the music that does really well on social platforms, which is largely popular music, I think just will not be affected by this movement. What people really care about is a connection to the artist. We even see this in AI, in AI music. We actually a few years ago we started something called the AI song contest back in 2020 which is a really fun contest for people to submit music to where you you have to kind of collaborate with AI. So you use AI as part of your process, but it's a, it's a human AI collaboration. All of the entries into it, we, we ask people to submit process documents. All of the entries were collaborations between the AI and the person. But what was interesting was that actually looking at, so I've stepped off the judging panel now. The person who won it this year was actually a friend of mine. He was born in in Bangkok. He wrote a He wrote a track that was inspired by a Thai reed instrument with like a non-Western tuning system, really nice track. But that kind of the story, the reasoning behind why he wrote this thing was, was so compelling. And that's the kind of thing that you, that connection with the person is something you never get with. You're never going to get with AI. I mean, sure, there'll be a robot pop star at some point. Of course there will. Everything that can happen will happen at some, but it's, that's not going to be how the, where the industry goes. It'll be a sort of, it'll be a one-off, right? Like, always going to want, crave, I think, that connection with people. That's That's got to be at least half of the reason that we love music, right? It's not just about what we hear. So yeah, I'm not overly worried about that kind of thing. I, I do think it's a fool's game to predict where we're going with AI. Who can tell?
1: I love the way that you described that. filled me with faith in humanity and where things are going because ultimately what you hear from people in the music industry on the marketing side when they have an exciting artist is it's all about storytelling the way we're going to make this artist breakthrough people incredible I'll go back to Billie Eilish why did she happen to become this phenom in a world where there's more music being made than ever before well partly it's because first time you heard her or looked at her or heard her speak you thought like where the hell did you come from like what's your story that narrative pull about someone's story, I tend to agree with you that generative AI could never replace. However, you know, on this podcast, we have a jingle that we paid for and uh, it keeps me up at night thinking that someone's going to listen to another podcast and that jingle is going to appear on there because it's a finite library. <laughs> um, had that jingle been created by Duke Deck or one of the companies that has arrived subsequently working in the same field, it would have been uh, one-off completely unique. So I just, I personally feel anyway, that that world of production music for brands and for social media is ripe for the taking for generative AI. Now, not to look at TikTok specifically, but incorporating it into a wider discussion here as to the Duke Tech Tech is still at TikTok. You were at TikTok for a minute, but also looking at other services in the field. Do you think it's possible that music streaming services and social platforms are going to become increasingly less reliant on licensed music. This is a big topic for debate right now for various reasons, and increasingly lean towards proprietary AI music in the future.
0: Yeah, that's really. I mean, that is really interesting. I mean, I kind of, again, I just, I can't see how that happens realistically. Again, it's this human connection. People are just always going to want licensed music. And by licensed music here, we mean the music that you're hearing on Spotify anyway, right? On Apple Music, on whatever, like, people are always going to want that. It's huge on all of these platforms and it's huge for a reason, you know what I mean? And as I say, it's not always it's not always necessarily about what's, what's the best music, right? I mean, some of the, there was some amazing music released last year. Some of the, so I won't kind of name tracks or albums, but some of the things that got the most listens weren't necessarily the best music in the world. They were good, but they, were they really the best, the actual best music that was released in 2022? Probably not, right? Like, probably the best music that was released in 2022 like vanished without a trace and just wasn't released by anyone popular enough like we care about the artists we care about the people we care about the story we care about all of this stuff i just can't see how you step away from that as a social media platform i think if you do step away from that you're losing out on a huge amount and on the ability for your users and your and the people using your platform to tell stories that really sort of resound with what's going on in culture today and, and ultimately social media is about the culture of the day right so i i don't think that's going to happen i mean i i don't think that's i don't think that's the use case here
1: yes i think that was very well put and um again I come back to the point i made about the individual whose music to me sounds like a copycat version of an original i do think that that's endangered because it's a uh, it's a refracted version of the culture, of something pushing culture forward, something original, something, oh, I didn't expect that from them, or oh, who is this? Those questions we ask about artists are, are very, very important. I don't think generative AI can steal that interest, that human interest. However, I do think that maybe the the B-League, the copycats, the less original and less artful, frankly, music, whether that be production music for brands and Advertising, etc., and by which I don't mean that there's no creativity behind those projects. Of course, there are, but what I mean is the brand-led TikToks that, that are reliant on a joke, let's say, as opposed to the music. Primarily, those things I can definitely see generative AI music overtaking. It seems like we keep coming back to the same thing, which is good. So, final <laughs> question, Ed, to a layman like me, looking to peer into the future, what is the most exciting AI-related tech or project? This is by all means, outside music or inside music that you've seen recently, the most exciting AI-related tech or project you've seen recently that hints at the possibilities of what's coming in the future?
0: Oh, wow. There's a lot going on. I mean, even just working at stability and working with all these people across all these different domains, the number of academic papers and and projects that get shared is just, I mean, there are sort of 10 a day that are springing up. I mean, it's actually outside of what I've seen even at work. I was just reading the FT over the weekend and actually I think it was front page I think there was a story just this weekend that was titled something like good news for humanity as human beats machine at board game go and so it was like it was celebrating the fact that a human had actually beaten a machine at this incredibly complex board game and I was sort of bowled over by this I mean it shows how far we've come since 2016 when when the headlines were the other way around everyone was amazed that a machine could beat a human at go but this time you know 7 years later it's the other way around and actually and I read into it a bit and it's fascinating sort of what what happened was that a great human go player used another ai system and this other ai system identified a flaw like a, a problem with this very very capable ai go program uh, that was trained to sort to, to be able to play go better than humans and the ai system identified a flaw and then the human use that kind of knowledge of that floor to then beat this incredibly capable go program right so it all gets a bit convoluted but basically it shows i think that these systems like these go systems you can extrapolate that to other systems as well these systems might be impressive but ultimately they're just party tricks really i mean they're really useful party tricks like and they can have huge value but if you try hard enough you can find the bits of them you can find the bits they don't know about. Really, if they were human, they probably would know about. And I love that. Like, I love that these systems have limitation. They shouldn't be replacing us. They're useful. We can design them to be useful, to, like, to accomplish certain things. They can they can add great value. But it really gave me kind of, it shored up my belief that, you know, we shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that they've ultimately got anything really on us, on humans. I think we'll always be ahead. Which I, I just found it, like, I don't know, I found it invigorating to read.
1: Well, that as a sci-fi fan in my teenage years and onwards i mean those words do fill me with optimism and cheer i've also got a vision of someone in 20 years time living in dystopian london listening back to our recording with a single tear rolling down their down their cheek but (laughs) we shall see yeah let's hope not ed newton rex thank you so much for joining us on the music business worldwide podcast thanks tim been great